Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. My guest today is Kate All of Simple Pin Media. Simple Pin makes Pinterest marketing easy to understand and implement without feeling overwhelmed. In today's episode, I talk with Kate about her journey from food stamps to running a seven-figure business that supports a team of 40 women and clients around the world. Kate All, welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast. Ah, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. Tell us your very first experience being an entrepreneur. Okay, so it's kind of entrepreneur by osmosis, but my parents are entrepreneurs, and I remember going with them many times to the farmer's market. They sell tree seedlings, so they grow them from seed, and they sell them to reforestation companies or even as granular as people doing their weddings. And one time we decided to do a farmer's market. So we had lots of different trees and pots and little ones, and I just remember being probably seven or eight they're selling with them. And that I, I can't directly, I don't think I directly tied that entrepreneurial influence on me, but that's when I really remember just my parents just sold stuff. I didn't really even know it was entrepreneurial, but I would just be at the farmer's market and be selling stuff. Did you ever have the job of counting the money? Yeah, I think I did. And I remember one time counting the money and then my parents paid me later and my mom wrote me a check for like $7. And I was so angry that it was only $7. <laughs> I was like, $7 is nothing. I worked so hard. Pretty sure I didn't. Cause now I have a, you know, I've had a seven and eight year old and they don't work hard at all. But my, I was sobbing and my mom, she said something that was really, I think it stuck with me, but she was like, this is really the value of the time that you put in appropriate to your age. And I was, I didn't understand that of course at the time, but now looking back, it was like, oh yeah, you know, I really probably shouldn't have even been paid $7. 
but I have <laughs> justice mentality. Like I'm worth more. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask for a raise. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not doing that job next time yeah. for at least a buck 50 an hour. Totally. I counted the money. I know what you people make. It's a lot more than <laughs> seven bucks. <laughs> this is extortion. Yes, exactly. Child labor laws. Yeah. And now look at you with two young kiddos. And do you ask them for help in your business? Do they do anything? No. Well, my daughter, my daughter's 13 and she is really into video editing. So I am, video is like my next big, big thing in my business. Like I really think it's the thing I need to lean into, but I'm really scared of editing. I'm really scared of all these other things. And so one day I asked her, would you help me edit? And it was like her face lit up and she was like, yes give me all the video. So, you know, for like a month, she was like, where's your video? Where's your video? I'm like, I haven't done video yet. Just, I'm trying to get up the courage. <laughs> so that she is, but my husband and my other kids know they're, they're, uh, I don't think they're quite ready for that, but they have done a little, a podcast with me. So I interviewed them for how they saw the view of Pinterest and how they saw me using Pinterest. And they've been able to go to a couple speaking engagements with me and see me speak, but no work in the business just yet. So for our listeners who aren't on Pinterest or maybe just use it to tag recipes or whatever, give us a sense for why a company would hire you and what they get out of advertising on Pinterest, just so we're on the same page about what you do. Yeah. So I'll first start with really Pinterest in a very like super simplified description is it's a search and discovery platform for people. And so they go there to search for ideas, things they want to buy for later. It's like the virtual binder where we used to like tear out pages of magazines and we put them into our binder and we save them for later. They're just doing this by finding things on the web, putting them into their boards that are all categorized and saving them for later. So what you're really doing as a person who's marketing and people come to us to say, I would like to begin to advertise my business on Pinterest. We focus primarily on that organically, but we do work with the paid advertising part of Pinterest. But organically, what we're doing is saying, okay, your ideal customer buyer may be on there searching for the type of product, service, um, content that you already have. So we're going to help you put it on there in the right way so you can keep creating the content that you want. But we know this like the back of our hand. So you let us take this off your plate. Cause you're right. A lot of people are confused by Pinterest. They don't understand it, or maybe they've used it personally and they just don't want to make the leap to begin to use it as a marketer. And you really do have to make a, a significant mind shift in that. So we take that off their plates so they can focus back on what they, why they started their business and the things they're really good at. So what are some examples of types of companies that have really good success with using Pinterest? Okay. So I'll use some examples from some of our clients. So we have people who are food content creators. They're just creating recipes or cookbooks or even, um, cooking, online cooking classes would be one. There's other people who are doing a lot of DIYs or maybe they sell physical plans for a project. We also have people that we work with. Um, one is a custom tile builder. So she creates custom handmade tiles for kitchens or bathrooms. 
We even work with a client who sells custom dog crates for people. So people who sell physical products, it is also good for service-based products, but a lot of it is online. There's not a big translation to brick and mortar. So if you were a dentist office, I would probably say, mm, not such a good fit because you really need people who are local and more targeted. But if it's somebody who maybe sells, um, an online dental product that like anybody could buy anywhere in the world and you really want to educate them about why this dental product is great, then I might suggest that. But it's a lot of content um, service-based, like online service or any type of product, really. You can do a physical product or a digital product. It's a good place to well, what I tell people too, if you're trying to figure out if your business should be on Pinterest, go over there and search your name and see if people are already pinning your stuff. Because again, back to that binder, your stuff might be so awesome that people are already saving it. So that's where I tell people to go first. If you're at all thinking, should I use Pinterest? Go do a search for your name and see if people are already sharing it. Oh, interesting. Okay. So at what point when you were doing this, because you started this back in 2014, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So at what point were you kind of like dabbling at this at the edges or what have you, and you realized that this was going to be a business, right? Because a lot of us end up in our businesses sort of half by accident. Yeah. So in actually, I'll back up to 2010. I had been asked by a friend to do online work. So I was doing Facebook marketing at the time and doing a little bit of affiliate marketing for her, working on her website. And that really just kind of sparked in me this whole marketing piece of like, oh, I love this way to speak very authentically and market to people so that they end up buying the product. Well, 2013 rolled around and she started to look into Pinterest marketing because Facebook marketing had drastically changed. It was what they call like the first Facebook algorithm change of business pages. No longer people were getting their content seen. So everybody kind of made this shift to Pinterest, but nobody understood it because we had been using it personally for like a couple of years, but it still felt like, well, this is just for people looking for recipes. It's just for weddings or, or girls, frankly. And I was like, well, it does have the potential to drive traffic. And some of these content creators were really seeing this huge influx of traffic come through at like unprecedented numbers. And my husband and I had hit a really, really bad point where basically, um, you know, it's post-recession. He had lost his job. We were living on unemployment, food stamps, you name it. And um, we were at the end of unemployment in August of 2013, sitting at my friend's house who I'd been working for. And she said, you should try to see if you can manage people's Pinterest pages for them. And I thought she is crazy. <laughs> like there's no way people are going to buy into that. It's just dumb. And she goes, well, what's your other option? Like you don't have any money. And it was like a really good point. <laughs> So she said, just do this, do all the research you can about it. And at the time there really was nobody. I maybe found two people who were talking about Pinterest marketing. And so I began to pursue figuring this out. And then in 2014 was when I bought the domain, got the website and still saw it very much as a side hustle. So I was working for her. I was working here and I just had two beta clients. And as you heard me say it at the BAM keynote, I literally told them, let's just pretend like this never happened if this doesn't work. Like, <laughs> don't say a word. We're pretty sure it's going to We were never here. Yes, exactly. And then those two turned into four, turned into six, turned into eight. 
And that was probably like 11 months after I'd started it. And I received a really big recommendation from somebody in my email box literally was like, cha-ching, cha-ching. I mean, it was like filling up with email after email after email. And I thought, what is happening? And then I connected the dots of her email and I literally walked out of um, a bedroom slash office because that's all we had at the time. And I looked at my husband and I said, are we going to do this? Like, are we going to make this a business? Because it's coming and we, we either keep it a side hustle or we make a decision. And we both in that moment said, let's do it. Let's go for it. Like it seems to be happening. Let's go. So that late 2014 was when we finally said, okay, now's the time. And I continued to work for her another full year after that. So still kind of straddling both working for somebody and working for myself. And then in 2016, that year officially made it my own. And that was hard too. That was like another layer. Cause you know, that was kind of a buffer to work for somebody else. And so that is how it got started. Holy cow. And so now three years after that, you have how many people employed and on your teams? I have 40 people oh who work for me. Yeah. And we have, um, we have three divisions now at Simple Pin. We have the organic management, we have the promoted pins management, and then we have um, the membership site that we had have, have for people who probably won't be our clients, but they really want to learn from me. So we have the audience and the client facing side, which is was a lot to navigate at first. It was hard to know how, how do you have clients and then how do you really focus on marketing yourself? Felt a little bit like a betrayal sometimes going back and forth between the two, but we've just realized that that is the way that Simple Pin has just been designed. So we're, we're going with it. So you have one revenue stream, which seems like the clear and obvious one, which is the paid advertising. Mm-hmm. You have a whole other revenue stream that is a membership group. Yes. Yeah. So we actually have, um, we break it down into organic management, paid management, and then membership. So yeah, we have three, possibly four revenue streams because we're um, strategic affiliates for people. So we've tried to actually diversify into the four, but yeah, the organic management is the strongest, but this year we decided to really branch out into the others and try to diversify. Okay. So help me understand the difference between the organic management and the paid management. You bet. So it's very similar to what people would see with Facebook. There's things that they put on Facebook themselves all the time. And that's organic Facebook uh, strategy. You're just doing it yourself. When you put money behind it, that's when it becomes the paid. So the organic one is people are just coming to us. Gotcha content. And then if they want to do paid ads on Pinterest, we have a department for that too. Okay. So you're posting, they're still paying you to post it for free. You're not putting any money behind the post. Correct. So essentially we like to tell, we like to tell most people what we're doing is we're, we're being you on a social media platform to where nobody would know that it's not you. So we're making sure your branding is aligned, but yeah, they're, they're essentially giving us all our content and they're just paying us for our time to do it. And then you have an affiliate piece as well. That is more um, people in our industry who maybe create products that we might never create. So I have a friend who does a promoted pins course. That's a paid advertising course. I'm never going to create a course like that. So I'm going to strategically partner with her to advertise that to my audience because I know they're super interested in it. So then her and I have a relationship where every sale, I get a certain percentage of that. And so that income comes towards us 
which is great because I don't have to create the product nor upkeep it. Awesome. You, affiliate marketing is a beautiful thing. Who came up with that idea? Oh man, I don't know, but they're genius. <laughs> oh my God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at what point did you hit like a certain, I don't know, amount of revenue or whatever, where you went like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. This isn't right. <laughs> yes. Like, who am I? Oh, that's such a good question. I kind of feel a little bit like it's been that way the whole time on some level. Um, <laughs> right. I would probably say that in 2017, I felt like, you know, my husband and I are like big budgeters. So we live on whatever we make and we've always been good about that. I think there was a little bit of fear of, do we trust it? Like, is this really sustainable income? And once we realized that it was, we started to increase our budget just a little bit and increase it a little bit more. And I think that was probably like 20, I want to say it was like late 2016 where I, I don't know if I am, well, there's an element of, I do operate out of fear, but I just wanted to make sure we had a really cash flow positive company. So I never, ever wanted to ever take more than out that I could, but I always wanted to make, a, make sure we aligned well with the taxes. So trying to balance those two was a, a pretty big one. But I would say 2017 was like, wow, we are actually making money. This is weird. And that I think also was very strange for us because we had been so poor. Like we had been on food stamps and state healthcare and all these other things. And so it felt a little bit hard to trust it. And I think I still do today sometimes struggle with like, when's the bottom going to fall out? When's it, you know, when's this going to happen? Um, <laughs> totally. But we added on to our house in 2017, we added like 700 square feet because we had a very small house with one bathroom. So we really started this whole thing because of like one bathroom. And that I think was the point where I realized, wow, this is making enough money that we can pay for this. That's crazy that I fell into this market. I have people paying me and they're delighted to pay me. And they're, my team is delighted to work for me. Like what, what magic is happening? Right, right, right. I don't get all this goodness. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I think it was a couple years in where I was just kind of like, I think even today I still am. There's times where I look at the incoming revenue and I look at all these things and I go, wow, we're really striving for that number. That's a big number. I never thought we'd get there. Are you comfortable sharing how many figures Simple Pin Media makes? Yeah, this year we'll actually hit our seven-figure mark. We'll do just over 1.2 million, which is awesome. all revenue. It's definitely not the check I'm writing myself, but um, that for revenue is it's just like completely blows my mind to say. And I think I kept that number hidden for quite a long time because I was a well just afraid for people to know. But then I realized like there's so much power in people being honest about their numbers instead of hidden because when they're hidden. We make a lot of assumptions about what such and such is making or how powerful they are or whatever. And I also didn't want my team, I wanted my team to own it. Like I wanted us to go, our goal this year is 1.2 million. Like let's, and we're on track to hit that. And it's like, can, can we own it instead of just Kate? Cause this isn't just Kate anymore. This is us. And so I need you guys to take ownership of this as well. And that was just another scary part when you, you open up that point of vulnerability where, you know, people can assume, oh, that's how much you make. And it's like, no, that's not how much I make. That's, you know, gross revenue. But that is a huge milestone. Like I can't, 
I cannot believe it. And I cannot believe what that money can do in the lives of the women in our company and even in our family's life and then fund the company for the future. That just amazes me whenever I look at the monthly numbers. Awesome. I love that. And thank you for sharing in that piece about, you know, being open about, about money and about numbers is so powerful because a lot of us just operate in this vacuum and we have no idea. And in the vacuum, of course, we make up stories and we tend to make up stories that make us the smaller of the pair. Yeah. Totally. And it doesn't serve anybody. Right. And when we, when we can talk openly about numbers, it helps everybody learn what's going on. And yeah. And you be inspired too. I think there's that element of when I hear someone else's numbers, especially numbers in a different area, it makes me go, Oh, that's possible. Exactly. That's that's cool. All right. I'll think about that. Like she's doing that. If she can do it, I can do it. That's totally, I totally see the path now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. So how long was it before Simple Pin was profitable? How many years did it take? Uh, it actually always has been. So that's one of the things that I have from day one, a friend of mine actually had given me the advice of what to save for taxes, what to save for expenses, what to pay yourself, and then how much to set your hourly rate at. And so Honestly, from day one, I had a spreadsheet and it was like that it's never, it's had a couple months where like we've gone into the red, but that's mostly because, you know, the quarterly tax payment is like swipes out everything. Um, But other than that, every year has been profitable and we've grown about 50% year over year. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And what in that growth has been most challenging for you? Like we all have our strengths and weaknesses in our areas of our business. Yeah, I would say there's probably two things. Number one is when you're growing your business, there's something that it it bumps up against you personally. And for me, the biggest thing has been really what I spoke about at BAM was, was the daring to fail. That has been such a huge thing for me personally is how do you bump up against these places where you're scared and where you think like, what if this goes down in a huge flame? Like, what if I make the wrong choice? It's the what ifs that honestly have been the hardest hurdle to overcome. And so it's mostly what happens in my head. It's not even anything that publicly people would see, but there's these challenges of, it just makes you stronger as an individual and you have a choice to go, okay, I'm bumping up against this. I'm feeling this. Why is it that I am feeling this particular thing? And what do I do to move past it? So there, there's an element of being self-aware in a lot of that or having a coach. I knew early on I needed a business coach. I'm very, very open to being led and actually think it's a very wise for business owners to have people lead them who are a stage of head because you can get so much wisdom from them and speaking into areas that they've already had experience with. So coupled with my fear and being really worried about making a mistake and getting it right, like that is, that's my struggle there. So that's deep personally, externally, the greatest struggle for me has honestly been comparison, looking at other people's businesses and saying, well, they have this, which kind of goes back to our last discussion about numbers is we have this idea, especially if people are in the influencer space. And my coach actually said something so great to me last week when I was telling her I was struggling and bumping up against this comparison again. And she said, there's people who work to have influence and there's people who work to have impact. Where is it that you want to lie in that? Because if you want to go the route of influencer marketer and you want to 
pretty pictures on Instagram and all these other things. Like you can go that route. But she said, when I look at everything you're doing on your business, it's a lot of head down focus that nobody sees. And so what you're really struggling with is that sometimes what you're seeing of them is what looks, it looks like hustle. It looks like what's on the outside. And that is, you have to make a choice. And that was, that was good. It was hard to hear, but it was good to say, yeah, I'm kind of chasing after somebody else's success. And it's, that's not my business. Yeah. And it's not who you are and it's not what you want to be necessarily. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say it almost never is. Right. Like you, look at the picture and it's almost like you have to ask yourself, like, why am I longing for this? Yes. And I've just taken my eyes off the thing that I do have. That's amazing. And I am no longer now giving thanks or taking joy in this thing. So that's crazy. And again, I think both of my greatest struggles have really had to do with the internal piece of myself. I don't struggle with team building. In fact, I thrive in it. I really love it. I love coaching my team members. I love helping them use their gifts in really powerful ways. I love helping them feel like they're, you know, when they make mistakes, that's great. We're going to learn from them. Um, And yeah, it's really actually interesting talking this out with you because everything that I struggle with is really just Kate driven, (laughs) not so much team driven at all. Hey ladies, I'm jumping in here for a minute to share with you a way that you can get even more value out of these podcast episodes. And that is a series of three webinars designed for you CPAs, accountants, and bookkeepers. You all are doing great work for your own clients. And as a business owner, it's not always possible for you to see the picture when you're in the frame. It can be easy to see that it's possible for your business to grow, but hard to see exactly how especially when you're caught up in the day-to-day. The three biggest challenges I see my own clients, some of whom are CPAs, bookkeepers, and CFOs, struggling with are number one, how to fill your calendar with the right clients. It's one thing to fill your calendar with clients, but your business really changes when you can fill your calendar with the right clients. The second challenge I see my clients struggling with is clarifying their goals and laying out the right steps to reach these goals. Too often, goals stay murky, and the strategy to get there is akin to throwing wet spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. I promise you, you and I can come up with a more effective strategy than wet spaghetti. And the third challenge is creating clear and strong business boundaries. Just like healthy relationships happen when people have clear and strong boundaries, Healthy businesses happen when clients and business owners have strong and clear boundaries. Blurry and weak boundaries are a drag on your time, energy, and finances. If any of these topics are of interest to you, check out the three-part webinar series coming up three Wednesdays in August, the 14th, 21st, and 28th. You can find out more about them at SheThinksBigCoaching.com, on Facebook at SheThinksBigBusinessCoaching, and go to events or from my subscriber list, which if you're not on it, you can go to my website and subscribe to get on the e-newsletter list. These three webinars are all free for you to create more value and more profit in your business. Hope to see you there. Along the road, have you had moments where you've either second guessed or wondered if you were just going to call it quits? 
I don't know if I've had the call it quits moment. In fact, I know I haven't had that quite yet. I think I've seen- There's still an opening? Yeah, I know. There, it still could happen, right? Um, I think I've had the second guess if I'm the best person for the job. Again, that goes back to a little bit of what you struggle with internally um, and more going, am I really equipped to lead these women in this way? Um, but calling it quits, no, I not at all. I mean- I think I love, I love so much what I do and just the freedom that I have and the people I get to meet. And I'm such a one-to-one person too. I like, I love hearing people's stories because everybody has a story behind their business and everybody has a story behind that. Right. And once we get drilled down to that, we go, oh, now I see why you did your business. Now I see why you're doing what you're doing. And that part I think keeps me going. I mean, I think there's times where I think, I'm bored talking about Pinterest. You know, I'll hit those points. Like I can only talk about it so many more times, but when I get into those deep relationships to see how Pinterest is helping them grow their business, then I get fired up. Yeah. When, and that comes back to impact, right? That the impact that your business is having on their business. Yeah. Clearly is what matters to you. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I, it's hard when clients leave and they leave because Pinterest isn't really panning out for them. Like they thought that I take so much responsibility for that. Like, Oh, I want to make it work for you so badly, but I get it. It's like me, you know, investing in like Twitter marketing. And it's like, well, my people aren't really there. (laughs) Right. So like, I kind of have to make decisions about where I'm spending my money and I know that's what they're doing too. So I really, I don't take it personally, but I'm more just have this big dream of, I'm going to make it work for everybody. Yeah. That makes sense. We want to be able to help everybody. Speaking of hard lessons, what's something else that you learned the hard way? Oh, lots of different, lots of different things. Um, probably going back to what we were even just talking about, I learned the hard way not to, not to continue to chase people if it's not working or, um, not continue to, if a client is dissatisfied with something, if, especially if we didn't do it. Um, I, I guess I've learned over the years because of so many times I feel like I've kind of gotten burned, not, I can't fix everything and it's exhausting to try to fix everything. So I've eventually learned that sometimes I just need to say, you know, I just think we're not the best fit for you and that's okay. And that took a long time. And I think a lot of angst and in that, I, in that I learned, I don't answer email before my kids go to school because sometimes <laughs> you can get email that is not very kind. So I learned that the very hard way, getting a very upset client email and then bawling my eyes out all morning and feeling crushed and feeling the sense of responsibility. And at that point I put up gates to say, I will not check my email before my kids leave for school. And I will not check my email after five thirty at night. Like these are sacred spaces. I'm not going to let work get into that. And that was, that was a hard one to learn. Cause I think there, I'm not so much a people pleaser, but there's an element of like, I want to make sure that we're good, that relationships are good with people. And it just kind of crushes me when it's like, Oh, somebody could be upset with me. Oh, let's get that right. Like I'll go, if somebody's got something, I'm not going to shy away from conflict. I'm going to go in. I'm going to say, Hey, how do we get on the same page? Like I get that this is funky. Let's work it out. And some people, they don't want to do that. 
And so I can't force their hand. So I just need to say, okay, looks like we're just not going to work this out. And that's okay. I'm always here if you, you want to do that. Thankfully that has not happened hardly at all, but I think I have learned um, through those experiences that you just can't make everybody happy. Yeah. And I might even say you can't make anyone happy. It's not your job. <laughs> yes. yes. Good one. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's something important in the boundaries around not checking work email like outside of, you know, well outside of work hours, because so many people are just letting that slip and slide and it bleeds and it bleeds into all hours of the day. And then there's just no cutoff. And like you say, there's no sacred space. And yeah. And you end up becoming fatigued, but you're not actually doing a whole lot, but you're letting these things come in. I read, I can't, it was a long time ago. And I read about somebody putting in hard stops in their life. And they said, I'm going to, I'm going to put these hard stops at these times because I need my mind to shut off and know this is when we're doing it. And so I created a schedule that I would start working at nine o'clock and I would be done at like two 30 or three in the afternoon. And those would be my work times. I could answer anything, do anything. There's sometimes a lot of answer, answer stuff for my team, but for the most part, my team knows like, okay, these are your work hours. And then I take Saturdays off. It's like, I don't open the computer. I don't open my email. I like literally sometimes set my phone in the other room and that is a good reset day and then just do tiny little bit of stuff on Sunday. Awesome. And such good modeling too for your team. Yeah. I oftentimes I have to tell them, okay, on Slack this weekend, you're not allowed to have conversation. Mm -hmm. Like where I'm actually forcing you to take a break. And I can sometimes see when they do that a little bit. And that's why I do that to say it's quiet hours. Nobody talk. We just did that over Memorial day weekend and it was very much needed. We had had kind of a tough week as a team, just kind of growing pains and working through things come Friday. I said, I don't want anybody unless it is urgent life or death on here until Tuesday morning. That is so important to lead that way because people are getting fried. <laughs> Yes. And when they get fried, everybody else gets fried around them. Exactly. Somebody says something that they probably shouldn't say because they're tired. And it's like, step back, ladies. And I am very fortunate to have a, a fantastic team of, uh, of a leadership team and an executive team. And we go away for a leadership retreat once a year here on the Oregon coast. And it was so great this last year for to hear them say, I love working in this community because I don't feel like I'm jockeying for position. We're all here. All the ships in the harbor rise at the same time. Like we're working together. And that delights me. That That's what makes team building for me like super easy. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love the image of all the ships rising in the harbor at the same time, right? And not jockeying yeah. to be the first one. <laughs> sure. Totally. So where do you think you're headed with Simple Pin? Oh, such a great question. And a big one I've had to ask this year. So we, with the organic management that I was talking about, just, you know, pinning for people, we added in the paid advertising side this year. And I see that paid advertising element on Pinterest really being a big one that we're going to grow out. And then I also see the teaching that I do of Pinterest and then also teaching of building a company because people come to me who are maybe building their own Pinterest marketing agency and they're like, how'd you do this? How'd you systematize this? How'd you do that? So I see that being the future 
of where we're going and then working with a lot of bigger corporate clients because a lot of people don't understand how Pinterest works and Facebook, you know, has changed so much. They've lost a ton of users within the last year. Um, Instagram marketing is quite different as well. And Pinterest is really this outlier that falls in the camp of Google and YouTube. And you have to have a whole different mindset for how you're connecting with your audience. And a lot of people, there's a lot of opportunity to do paid advertising over there, but it, they're just so confused by it. I really want Simple Pin to be the best Pinterest marketing and management agency there is to where we are really the hub that is teaching this effectively, but also doing it for people effectively. So wait, are you not already the best Pinterest marketing agency? there? <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I would say that that's always hard for me. Oh, to say. come on. I, I guess I kind of keep striving for it. I will say that we are the best Pinterest management agency for sure. Um, there's not a lot of other people with as many clients, this structure that we have this focused. There's a lot of other people that teach Pinterest marketing, but I, we do have the podcast, which nobody else has. Um, so I will say, yes, we are that. And we are going to be even better. Own it. In the <laughs> I know. It's so, it's so much easier to say like the dangling carrot is out here than like you're at here. But I am super proud of my team and I'm super proud of all that we've accomplished. So I will own it. We are the best and we will continue yes. to be the best. I love it. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> So last question, if anything were possible when it comes to Simple Pin, what would you create? Oh man, that's a great question. I think if anything were possible, I would love to create, um, in my dream down the line, I would love to create a really great VIP mastermind of women who want to really build their own businesses and be able to connect with them in person. I think an in-person connection is something I'd want to create. I don't think an in-person Pinterest conference is, is good just because I think Pinterest is an arm of your business. It's definitely not the whole of your business. So I don't think there's for that, but something about investing in these women that are growing their companies, whether they're Instagram marketers or Facebook marketers or Pinterest marketers, how do I help them grow and scale their businesses, but get more of a personal connection and a deep, um, maybe four times a year meeting in person or meeting in Mexico. I don't know. I think, I think that is definitely something down the line that is one of those visions that I think we started to create. We're kind of derailed along the way, but yeah, that's something that's out there that if I could snap my fingers tomorrow and it just created, I would do it. But there's just a lot of other things that need my attention at the moment. But that's where, that's the dream. I think that small group of women, just that investment, I think. Awesome. VIP mastermind with Kate All. Yeah. Oh, it'd be so fun. I'd be like, let's go to Mexico for one of them. You heard do that, that here first. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Kate All, it has been such a pleasure having you on the She Thinks Big podcast. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. I love hearing successful women's stories of being an entrepreneur. I especially admired the moment or moments that Kate decided to go all in. The first one where her friend was like, well, what else are you going to do? And the second one where she decided to drop the side hustle and fully commit. There's so much power in deciding to do something in saying, this is what I'm committed to trying and making happen. Because once you decide 
the rest has a way of figuring itself out. So ladies, what have you decided that you're going to create in your business? You might not yet know the how, as in how you're going to create the thing, but that's fine. First, you need to figure out the what. What have you decided you are going to create? And here's another question. How committed are you on a scale of one to 10? And if you're anything less than a 10, what is in the way of being a 10? Because what I want for you is to decide and to be committed. Because with those two things, you will make happen whatever you want. What were your key takeaways today? I hope you'll come share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. You can search She Thinks Big on Facebook and I will let you in. And seriously, know that I would love to hear from you because all I hear in my office is crickets and my meowing cats. If you like this episode, please subscribe. That way you get more great content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, ladies, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.